Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Greatest words we will ever hear today, and this is truly, whether you are new or you have been coming for forever, the Word of God will always land on a place of your heart that will bring healing. And so let's let's read today from Matthew 6, uh, verse 16 through 18. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you that that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will suspect you are fasting except your father who knows who, what you do in secret and your father who knows all secrets will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. I, I do want to just draw attention to the fact that the chairs are set up a little bit differently this week and that's because um, they cleaned the carpets finally. Yeah. 10 years later, I think. And some of you are like, well, why? Well, because we're one of those churches that don't stop you at the door and make you throw your drink away. We let you bring it in. Isn't that awesome? You can bring your coffee to church. Or tea. The problem was, is um, we don't put lids on it and then we kick it over. And so we cleaned it and reset it. So we say thank you to those who just went crazy to get that done for us. Yep. You're like, why are you telling that? I'm telling you that so that we have a new campaign starting called Put a Lid on It. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Bring it in. I don't care. Just put a lid on it. And I was, I'm reminiscing to last week when I sat over there with a hot tea and kicked it over with a lid on it. Big old spot. I thought, man, it's just that easy, isn't it? So we're glad that you get to be here with us and do that. Now listen, um, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we started a journey as a church that I actually think transformed us into the church that we are today. And it was a journey with a place called Jerusalem Baptist Mission in Haiti. Pignon and uh, Caladere was the place. How many remember this conversation that we began to have, right? Transformed us over these last 10 years. And today, the Lucians are here in force and cannot, cannot be ignored, and nor will they ever be allowed to sneak in here and be ignored. Um, and so many of you have had an opportunity to get to know uh, Ephraim over the last few years. He is here with us. Super glad that he's here. Yeah, you can say. And Jephthah, can you believe 10 years ago, I think, we stood on a container out there, you and I, and, and you shared a vision for Jelly Project that transformed the way we do what we do. And we're so grateful to you and me too in your heart. And Sarah, it is great to have you here with us as well. So there's, there's uh, Jephthah and Ephraim and Sarah who are sisters and me too, who is Jephthah's wife. And it is awesome to have these guys here with us. Say hello. And here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to extend a hand this way. They're right here and we're going to pray over them, that God would continue to bless what God is, how God is using them in different ways within a country that we have grown to love dearly. 
So God, we come to you um, just as a, as a people who love your church all over the world. And there's a beautiful place in Pignon, in Calidere, in Hinch, where God's people are flourishing. And so we just pray for the ministry uh, that Jephthah leads and that Ephraim leads and that Sarah is part of and me too and all the work that has gone into seeing people come to know Jesus by growing God's kingdom. And I pray, God, you would continue to expand their territory and give them vision and dreams beyond what they ever imagined because if it doesn't cost you anything to dream, you might as well dream big. And so pray, God, that you would fill them with that and know that there's this little place here in Lake Zurich that loves them dearly. May your anointing and spirit go with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Love you guys so much. So much. So many times, whether it was Ephraim interpreting or Me Too was doing the interpreting, where it was just like, what? And did such a great job of conveying heart, and we learned so much. We are, um, so thanks for letting me do that. That's family. And so we love to do that with family. And so now I'm going to talk fast because we got to get through the rest of this. Is that cool? We're in this series um, called Resistance. And I just want to highlight February 22nd is the beginning of the Lent season uh, with Ash Wednesday. And so we're calling that season 40 days of prayer and fasting for our church. We believe God's given us a huge vision that we actually will not accomplish without God. We actually don't want to accomplish it without God. We actually need God to go with us. And so we need to raise the temperature of prayer in our lives. We need to raise the temperature of fasting and how we give our lives away. And so we're, we're going to be doing, starting on the 23rd, seven Thursday nights of prayer that'll be coupled with fasting. And we're going to talk through the Lord's Prayer and hit these six things. And then the last one is Monday, Thursday. The Father's character, the Father's kingdom, the Father's provision, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's guidance, the Father's protection. That's the Lord's Prayer summed up in six ways, and we're going to dive into that. Really would love for you to be there. And one of the reasons we're in this series, Resistance, and when we, we say resistance, we really mean defiance, okay? We will not bow. That's our stance. To what? Well, here's the deal. Three weeks ago, where we spent three weeks exposing the counterfeit kingdom that is the world, the flesh, and the devil, exposing it to say the way the enemy is going to come at you as a follower of Jesus is through the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a trifecta, and that's what he's going to do. And so we're now we're aware, and we know. And so what we said is the resistance is when Christians, children of God, rise up, pray, fast, and serve the world around us. Serve each other. That's how we're going to resist. That's how we're going to be defiant. And, and yet, I'll also say that two weeks ago, we redirected the series and we addressed the religious spirit that's in all of us, okay? Now, here's why I'm bringing that back up and here's why I'm gonna define that. Here's what a religious spirit is. A religious spirit is a demon or a demonic force, and we believe that's real, which seeks to substitute religious activity for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm saying this because if you pray fast and serve out of a religious spirit, it will never change anybody, including you. It just won't. If, if our praying and our fasting and our serving comes out of duty instead of delight, then we've missed it. God is inviting us into this relationship, into this defiance, into this resistance where we get to pray, we don't have to. We get to fast, we don't have to. We get to serve, we don't have to. And so we're going, do you want to? I bring this up because I think too often when we talk about prayer and fasting and serving, 
it falls on ears that feel shame and condemnation around that instead of the joy that comes with the opportunity. And so sometimes we just, Dre, sometimes we just have to start with, man, I, I want, I, I don't want to, but I want to. And to share that with each other, right? Darren's to be able to say, help me want to, God. And can we hold each other accountable to that? What does that look like when we, when we want to want to? Because sometimes we don't want to, which is the duty versus the delight, right? And so Jesus says in Matthew 6, 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. The religious spirit causes us to do what we do to be seen by man versus be seen by God. And we don't want any part of that, right? And so we can't come at prayer and fasting and serving from a religious spirit or it will not work. And so when we pray, we realize that pray is how we combat the devil's influence by continual connection to God. Fast is how we combat the flesh by exposing and denying it. And serve is how we fight the influence of the world by becoming redemptive presences in the world. So the way we come against the world, the flesh, and the devil in our life is to bring up the delight to pray and fast and serve. That's our resistance. That's our we won't bow. Last week we said, here's the problem. Too many people see praying, fasting, and serving as optional and not essential. As in necessary, as in vital, as in key, as in if you don't drink water, you die. Last week we talked about prayer and our need to understand our Father. That Jesus said, don't pray as the pagans do. Don't pray as renters with a landlord. Pray as children with a father. Why? Because God's offered you through his son an opportunity to be adopted into the family of God. And last week we're sitting there going, man, I can pray our father. I get to be a child. And we got really excited and wow, around I'm a child that's been adopted. Wow. And we put our wow in the wrong place. See, the wow isn't that you and I are children that were adopted, and we are. The wow is that the Father would adopt us. God, do you know me? Oh, the deepest places, Dave. Have you seen what I've done? All of it. Do you know the lies I battle every day? Everyone. And I still choose you. And I get to wake up and be a child of God because he adopted me. That's the wow. And so I get to say our father. Not because I'm a child, but because he's my dad. And he chose me. And it's not based on my performance. But it's just based on his love. And in a culture where you're trying to get all your identity from everything else, what you have and what you do and what people say about you, isn't it refreshing to know that he loves me as much as he loves Jesus, his son? And he loves you that way. And so we don't pray like the pagans do. We pray like his children do, totally. Can't think of a word. Blown away that he would want to be my dad. Wow. And so this week, fasting, and I got to tell you, um, I loved, I loved other series over this one. Um, this isn't sexy, okay? Some of, you, some of you looked up right there. It's the only reason I use that word. For those of you that weren't paying attention right now, you're back in. 
okay? But it's true. Like, kingdom over politics, it's like, I'm going. I got to see how he's going to handle this one, right? Like, that's fun. Prayer, it's like, yeah, I wish I prayed more. Fasting, never done it. So there's like lots of opportunity here for all kinds of shame and condemnation. And sometimes that's a motivator. It's not the best one. The best one is, God, I know you're calling me into this and I want to want it and desire it. So help me desire it. And I'm going to surround my people with, with, with so, so we're talking about fasting. Good. Here, listen to this. Moses fasted 40 days. Elijah fasted 40 days. Paul fasted 14 days. Jesus fasted 40 days. I don't know what Paul's problem was. Um, the Jewish people fasted all the time. Listen to this. Process this question. If Jesus could have done what he was sent to do on this earth without fasting, then why did he fast? Just a question. So what is it? Let me, let, me, let me help us maybe define this a little bit, and then we're going to dive in. In the original languages, the word fasting simply means shut, refrain, or abstain. And although the majority of references, and get this, or examples of fasting have to do with abstaining from food and liquids or both, um, I, I would, I, water's important. I'm just going to tell you that. It's my clock. We're good. Abstaining from any type of uh, creature comfort can constitute a legitimate fast. Although I think we need to start with this conversation around food as, as the biblical fast, food, no food, and water. Uh, here's some definitions of fasting that I came across that I want to share with you that I think are all good. Fasting is turning my attention from the pleasures of this world so that I might more fully focus my attention on Christ and find my greatest pleasure in him. Fasting is sacrificing something I value to pursue something God values for and or through me. Fasting is denying myself what I desire as a way of putting my desire for God first. Fasting is setting aside less important things to seek the most important thing. Fasting is the discipline of putting God's eternal purposes before my temporal desires. Fasting is reserving the time, energy, and resources normally given to an activity to pursue God and His will. I'm going to fast, but I'm not just going to fast so I feel good about myself. I'm going to fast and pray. So whenever I'm not going to eat food, I'm going to pray. Why? Because it's an opportunity for me to get close to God, not just prove I can't eat or won't eat or can go without. Here's the one I love. Fasting is disconnecting with the world so that I can make a deeper connection with God. We all need that. And so we go to Matthew chapter 6, which Carrie just read, and I want you to go there with me again. Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to hear what Jesus is saying about fasting. Verse 16, and when you fast... Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. When you fast, when you pray, there's an obvious Assumption that as a follower of Christ, as a child of God, you pray. When you fast, there's an assumption that you fast. Next week, Alex will talk about when you serve. There is an assumption that we serve. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus assumed that fasting was a good thing and that it would be done by his disciples. And this is what we saw in Matthew 9, 15 with John the Baptist's disciples. When the bridegroom is taken away, Jesus said, then the disciples will fast. The bridegroom has been taken away. Therefore, we are called to fast. So Jesus is not teaching on whether we should fast or not. He is assuming we will fast. He's teaching on how to do it and how not to do it in this passage. 
And wouldn't it be good to know how to do it and how not to do it? If we're to do it. In this text, Jesus warns us what not to do and then tells us what to do instead. Here's the goal, or better yet, here's the heart. And he warns us in verse 16 not to be like hypocrites. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. So the hypocrites are folks who do their spiritual disciplines to be seen by others. Okay, this desire to do what I do so that I get the accolades and the praise and the well done of men instead of God. Man, I think about so much about what we do in our life we do for that reason versus to please him. That's why Paul tells us in Colossians, do everything as if you're doing it for the Lord and not men. See, there's something going on here in us that Jesus is trying to address. This is the reward that the hypocrites are after. This is what he says. And who hasn't felt how rewarding it is to be admired for our discipline or our zeal or our devotion or our knowledge or just we're awesome and you should think that and feel that and say that. We sell out who we are for things like this. We sell out God so that we can get what others want to give us, realizing that if man props us up, man will tear us down. But if God lifts us up, no one can touch us. Whoever Christ exalts. And there's something going on here in this tension. So-and-so, man, they're, man, they're just an amazing prayer. So-and-so just really interprets scripture so well. So I wish I could do that, right? We, we, encouragement is good, but too often we do what we do to get the encouragement and like the devil, we keep it for ourselves instead of being a channel of praise to God, knowing it didn't happen through us anyway, it happened through God. I don't take the credit for any of it. I can't take the credit for any of it. That's the great thing about God is he does what he does for me. But if I keep the credit for it, if I do it for the credit, Jesus is saying, that's your reward. You got it. It's a cheap reward too. Few things feel more gratifying to the heart of fallen humanity than being made much of for our accommodations, especially our religious accommodations. Yeah, it's all God, right? Somebody writes a really good song and you say, hey, that was a great song you wrote. And they're like, thanks man, it was all God. And you're like, no, it wasn't that good. Right? There's this false humility that, hey, it's just all God. No, you're keeping it too much and you're doing it too often for what people think about you or what you need people to think about you or what you want your kids to think about you or what, instead of just for God, when was the last time you did something absolutely amazing for God and told no one about it? Okay, so, so I'm digging it in at you here a little bit, Okay myself included, creating attention because none of us are that self-aware, right? To really understand our motives at the core. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He's exposing, exposing it. So Jesus says in the last part of 16, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, if that is the reward you're aiming at in fasting, that is what you will get. And that will be all you get is people going, great job, man. What a faster. Woo! What a prayer. A speaker. That's why whoever comes to this platform doesn't preach what you want to hear, but preaches what God tells us to say. 
Because we can't live for the approval of man. But man, it's a tension in us, isn't it? I'm going to keep exposing this a little bit. In other words, the danger of hypocrisy is that it is so successful, it aims at the praise of men and it succeeds. But that's it. You would, you would think that be real would, would be not hiding it. You would think that, that it's not hypocrisy if I'm fasting and I let people see I'm fasting. It feels like it's hypocrisy if I'm hiding my, that I'm fasting by acting like I look good when I'm not fasting, right? But that's not at all what Jesus is saying. Listen to this. Jesus calls them hypocrites. Why? Because the heart that motivates fasting is supposed to be a heart for God, not a heart for praise. That's what fasting means, a heart hunger for God. But the heart motivating their fasting is a heart for human admiration or praise. And if they wanted to be really open, they would hang a sign around their neck saying that the bottom line reward is my fasting is that you think I'm awesome. Now we're getting real. That's what Jesus is saying about the hypocrites that are fasting for the praise of men. Not fully understanding the depths of their heart. Stay with me here. So there's two dangers that those who fast fall into. One is that they're seeking the wrong reward in fasting, namely the esteem and praise of other people. They love the praise of men. And the other is that they hide this with a pretense of love for God. Fasting means love for God, hunger for God. So with their actions, they're saying that they have a hunger for God, but on the inside, they're hungry to be admired and approved of by people. That's the God that satisfies them. Why? Because that's the religious spirit at work that seeks to promote within you what you do for the praise of men instead of simply to honor and love and be close to God. Jesus is calling out our need for approval. Jesus is calling out our people-pleasing. Jesus is calling out our motives, not just the ones here, but the ones in you and the ones in me. Man, I'm exposed here. In verse 17 and 18, Jesus gives an alternative to this way of fasting, the way he wants it to be done. He says, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will repay you. Now, I like all of you. I, I know a good portion of you, um, but I feel like anything you want to attempt to say to me or give me that's good is going to pale in comparison to what God wants to give me. No offense, but yours won't come close. Now, the Bible says we need it to keep believing the encouragement of one another, but the encouragement of one another isn't to the superfluous praise of the outward things you do, but the inward transformation that's happening in your heart that we're encouraging you to go deeper into the places so God can heal you, so that you can go beyond forgiveness to freedom, so that your freedom leads free people to free people. That's what it is, right? Oh, that was a side note. So... So there's a disclaimer here, though, that I have to share with you, and I, I promise I, I, we will get done on time. And so just really zero in. I need you to get this, the disclaimer. There are all kinds of public fasting in the Bible, including the New Testament, for example, Acts 13, 1 through 3, and 14, 23. You can look at those later. But if someone finds you, someone finds out you're fasting, uh, you haven't sinned. <laughs> this is a disclaimer, okay? This, this is a disclaimer, the value of your fast is not destroyed if someone notices that you've skipped lunch. Okay, 
So like you go to someone's house, right, for dinner, and they lay out a beautiful spread and you're fasting. And they're like, you're like, I can't eat. And they're like, oh, why? And you're like, uh, I just can't. <laughs> right? Because you can't know. That's just weird. And we want you to be invited back, so don't do that. It's okay in that space to say, hey, I'm just taking a season of fasting. It's not what God's talking about. You got to get this. It's possible to fast with other people. For example, we're fasting together as a church for 40 days. It's possible to fast like that and not to fast to be seen by men. Being seen fasting and fasting to be seen are not the same. Being seen fasting is simply an external event. Fasting to be seen is a self-exalting motive of the heart. There's a book out called Fasting. <laughs> Jensen Franklin. I read this one, no, no doubt, one night in the middle of a fast, in the kitchen, standing up, almost got to the very end in one night, weeping, crying because of what I learned and gained about what I was doing. Powerful, powerful. Take, if, you, if, you, if you get an opportunity before you go into this, read through this, it's really good. But here's what he says in the book, quote from the book. Fasting is not a requirement, it's a choice. It is a vow you choose to make to pursue God on a deeper level. The entire time you're on a fast, you're acknowledging God. When you're feeling hungry, empty, and weak, you connect with God without all the clutter. In that way, fasting is a time vow. It's also a discipline vow. Fasting, especially a longer fast, strengthens your character in every area of your life. I, I, I gotta share this with you, not to, not to give you a formula, but to help you understand what, what this is about. The, the heart of fasting is to draw close to God. And yet there are times we get to places, impasses in our life where, God, I need an answer. God, I'm, I'm stuck. God, I'm, and, and we step into a fast so that we can hear from God. I remember Natalie and I, when we got married, we were trying to have kids. And man, nine months and hadn't had any, not even, any, not, well, so nine months and nothing. And no child, thank you. So I was stuck, okay, leave me alone. <laughs> And I said, I think God's calling me to fast. And I think it's a 14-day fast. And the doctor said, you can do that. But in fasting, there is absolutely zero chance of having a child. I still think this is what God's calling me to do. And so I started a 14-day fast. I'm telling you, a powerful time. Clarity. Now, this isn't a formula for your situation. This is obedience to God. Yeah, On the 14th day of the fast is when Alexia was conceived. At the most inopportune moment, Thank you, Jesus. God shows up with a miracle. Just to say, thanks for your obedience. And by the way, that's a big thing. So Jesus gives us instruction that will test our hearts. And he says to us, when we're fasting, when we're fasting, don't take, don't make any effort to be seen. In fact, make efforts the other direction to not be seen. Fix your hair, wash your face so that as far as possible, people will not even know that you're fasting. But he goes beyond this and he says that your goal is to be seen by God, not man. 
But when you fast, but you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but by your father who is in secret, fast to be seen by God in secret. This is huge. What Jesus is doing here is testing the reality of God in our lives. Are you more concerned about being seen by men or can you not wait to be seen by God? Who's just out there showing off like crazy for you. God, I just, I want to be seen today by you. And he can't wait for that moment. It's easy to do religious things if other people are watching, preaching, praying, attending church, reading the Bible, acts of kindness, loving others. That's easy to do. And the reason for this is not only the praise we get, but more subtly, and I want you to get this because I think we can, e we can easily say that I'm not doing what I'm doing for the praise of men. I really want it to be for the praise of God, but we will slip into this right here. And I need you to hear this and I need you to get it. The more subtly, the sense that the real effectiveness of our spiritual acts is on the horizontal axis among people, not the vertical axis with God. I'm doing what I'm doing so that I make a difference in people's lives, not to get close to God. And that's different because now it's my effort instead of the overflow of my relationship. Let me take that just a little bit deeper with you if I can. If, if the kids see me pray at meals, it'll do them some good. If the staff sees me fast, That'll be, that'll inspire them to fast. If my roommate sees me read my Bible, they may be inspired to read. Matter of fact, I was watching a reel the other day. Weird to say that in church. But I, anyway, I was watching this reel of this kid who was talking about his dad that as he was growing up, whenever he would come downstairs, his dad was sitting there reading God's word. And I'm like, that's a great thing to do. I need to do that. No, I don't. You know why he saw the dad reading the word of God? Not because the dad said this would be good for my kids to see. They saw their dad reading the word of God because he loved God and he could not read the word of God and be with God in the morning. And they happened to see it. But man, I thought it would be good just to put myself down there so that when the kid's down, then there's a really good, see? No. In other words, we feel the value of our devotion is the horizontal effect it has on others as they see us. And that's not all bad, but the danger is that all of our life starts to be justified and understood simply on the horizontal level for the effects that it can have because others see it happen. And all the while, you're losing your focus on God. Which brings us to the last part of verse 18 and the promise Jesus makes about what God will do for those who focus vertically on him and do not need the praise of other people to make their devotion worthwhile. He says, and your father who sees in secret will repay you. God sees us fasting. He sees that we have a deep longing that is pulling us to fast. And he's going, when, when, you, when you do something Absolutely, when someone in your life does absolutely something over the top for you to make you feel loved and special, it is a game changer. It, it does something in you. I need you to know God is no different than when you as a human being says, I'm gonna give up something I need for something I need more. Gosh, how that blesses him. And as much as he's blessed you, could we bless him? He 
He sees that our heart is not seeking the praise and applause of men. He sees that we're acting not out of strength to impress others with our discipline, but out of a weakness to express God, our, express to God our need and our great longing that he would act. And when he sees this, he responds, he acts, he repays. And it's not, it's not a baby because we were trying nine months to have a child. You don't miss the point. The best place to find out the reward of our fasting is to look in the Sermon on the Mount. For example, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9 through 13 begins with three main longings, that God's name would be hallowed and revered, that the kingdom would come, and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's going to be the massive desire of our heart for fasting. That's the outcome, is that God's name would be revered in my life, is that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done. Man, I'm praying that the answer to the prayer we were praying for that child is that the kingdom's going to happen on earth better because she's here in the world. Because it was God's plan all along. This is the main reward God gives us for fasting. We fast out of longing for God's name to be known and cherished and honored, longing for his rule and reign to be fully established on the earth and longing for his will to be done everywhere, starting with our lives. And guys, the, the mess this world is in, we need this more than ever. It's why we have to fast. And for sure, he gives us many, many specific things through fasting. And it's not wrong to seek specifically for his help in every area of our lives through fasting. And I only named a few, but I need you to get this. These three petitions, hallowing his name, seeking his kingdom, and doing his will, these give the test to see if all the other things we long for are expressions of these. Why do you want your loved one to know Jesus? You want your loved one to know Jesus so that his kingdom will come in their life. You want your loved one to know Jesus so that they will understand how much they are loved by the God who created them. A breakthrough. What do you think the breakthrough's for? So that you can be part of what God is doing in the world. So that you can praise him for who he is when you get the breakthrough. God's intervention, closeness, revival in his church. We need revival in the church and all these are good reasons to fast, but... May it be that his name be revered and may it be that his will be done and his kingdom come. I gotta tell you, as I close, and not just to give you an example of, of this, this, this closeness. Every, every year, we're gonna begin to do this as a church and, and so I'm close. Jared if, you, Jared, if you would come. See, that's a sign that we're about to be done. You feel better. But as soon as the music starts to play, speaker, pe play, speakers always go 100 times longer. Just so you know. This just feels nice. I want you to hear this. Every year, typically, starting with a fast, one year felt God calling me to a 21-day fast. Just liquids. I'm sharing this with you just because I need you to get this picture. First day's hard. It's always hard. Third day's really hard. Seventh, don't be around. It's hard. After that, something just happens. You just slip into this space where it just feels like the presence of God is palpable. His voice just seems ever close. I'm emotional because I'm, I'm there right now. 
and you talk and you hear because you've silenced the noise. You've silenced all the stuff to the point of food. And you just hear. And I remember getting to day 21. And by the way, it's never what you think. The eggs don't taste good. The steak doesn't taste good. Nothing tastes good on that breaking of your fast. Why? Because you're grieving. You're grieving something very special that you and God just did together. The closest you've never felt because you're about to step away from it. But it's not a long sadness. And here's why. Because the work that you and God were able to do in your relationship during that time pays off the rest of your life. The work that he speaks and does through you. When you fast. I can do without a lot of things, but I cannot do without Jesus. So whatever it takes. So there's a paper on your seat. And there's a pen around in the back. Let me give some disclaimers. I need you to hear me. All you to hear me. If you're in this room today and you are struggling with an eating disorder, you need to fast from fasting. Do you hear me? You need to fast from fasting. There are other things that you can choose. You need to talk to somebody about what you choose. It's really important for you to hear me. Because the enemy will use that. Okay? The other thing I want to say is you, you may want to take some time and pray about this. So you want to take that slip of paper home. That's okay too. You may not want to do this at all. And that's okay. But for those of us who call this church home, I'm going to ask you to write on that piece of paper what you're going to fast during this 40 days. Now, let me give you some ideas of what kinds of fasts we do. Because there is long fasts where you do just water. There's long fasts where you do just liquid. There's one meal each day. There's some people that do it 24 hours each week. They'll do a fast. There's sugar and sweets. Though we probably ought to be fasting that all the time. There's sun up to sun down, not eating. Sun up to sun down, the Jewish fast. There's the Daniel fast, which is just fruits and vegetables. Vegetarians, stretch yourself. Try something else. Liquids only. Give up television. Give up certain recreational activities. Give up reading or, or just pleasure reading. Restrict listening to all but worship music. Get rid of Facebook and other social media for 40 days. I'm happy to say that after 13 years, I am Facebook free for 13 years. Thank you. Currently addicted to reels. My name is Dave. I'll be giving those up. I want you to write it down. Unless you put prayer with your fasting, there's no need to fast. If it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. So we fast. What is God calling to you? I would ask you to stretch yourself. I would say, read this book on fasting. I would say, talk to a doctor if you're struggling with this. Maybe there's some of us, you know the commercial with uh, uh, the person who's really cranky, right? 
and they need a Snickers bar. And yeah, yeah, we've been on trips, and there's times where I'm like, man, get him a Snickers, and boom, all of a sudden, they're back to themselves, okay? If you're that person, talk to a doctor maybe, right? Or just pray and ask God what you would do and stretch yourself. Maybe you can do things you never thought you could. I think we're way more resilient than we act. The church has got to get way less fragile, folks, and way more durable. And this is how we do that. Write that down. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray a prayer over us, and this will be our dismissal. This was first service. I'm excited about what God's about to do. Not just for us as individuals, because we don't have an individual faith. We have a communal faith. What is God going to do through his church? Now, I'm going to ask you to just take that, if you've put something down, and... We're going to drop it in here on our way out. He's going to sing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss. I want you to come. As, as, as your dismissal, drop it. Drop it in here. And it's going to be here every week till Easter, sitting right here to remind us, not guilt us, that we made a commitment to fast. Because when you fast, and what might God do in his relationship with us and through us? God, I pray right now for this church. I pray that you would... Give us a sense of your heart. Pray against any religious spirit that would seek to do this for the approval of man, the approval of a spouse, the approval of anyone. May this be so that we be seen by you and we develop this relationship for you. And may our relationship grow and explode. May we know you in ways we never dreamed so that we can be who you've asked us to be as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. Jaron's gonna begin to sing. Our closing is that you would just come and drop this. Thank you for being here. We love you next week serving. Have an incredible week. This starts on the 22nd of this month, not today. Go enjoy your meals. Love you all. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you... Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.